0: So tonight, here we go. (laughs) I want to talk about the harvest being ready. The harvest is ready. I use that word ready. Jesus said, uh, he said the fields are white for harvest. The harvest is ripe. I just use the word ready because ripe, uh, because we're really talking about, let me just say this, we're really talking about people and souls, right, when we're talking about the harvest. We just want to make sure we're all on the same page, that, that God's, God loves his kids everywhere. And, and so why I said the harvest is ready is because um, it's not, it, ready implies to me different than ripe. Ripe is like, well, like, you know, an, uh, an orange is ripe, you know. Um, people are ready. Like, these people are ready. There, there. People are so looking for Jesus. They're so looking for truth. I know that not everybody is saying, walking around saying, "Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I want Jesus." I get that. But I'm saying, in their hearts, they are longing for something, because uh, this world is so empty apart from Him. And um, I shared last week. I'm, I won't. Uh, I, I I realize I can't share more details. I want to share more details, but. But I'm actually hopeful that the people I am meeting are gonna come to our church and stuff. So I don't necessarily want all this on podcast. But I will say that, that when we got home from our elder retreat uh, two weeks ago, I went across the street to get the mail because we were gone a few days. Came back, said hi to my neighbor, like I've said for the last 15 years. We've had all of 10 minutes conversation at most in those 15 years. How you doing? Good, how are you doing? I called her by name how are you doing? She's like, oh, we're really sad. And she starts walking toward me. I'm like, what? I've never in 15 years has has she ever used an emotion of what she was feeling. And now she's walking towards me. So I don't want to go into the details, but I just want to say this. That was so out of the blue. I mean, we've always been pleasant and nice neighbors. Don't get me wrong. And there's other neighbors that I have had deep conversations with, a couple of them, but not that one. And I come back from this retreat where God's saying, this is a different time, the harvest is coming in, and all of a sudden this neighbor walks towards me and we engage in a half an hour discussion that went deep about relational issues and about, and she knew I was a pastor, and she's like, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to talk to you. I didn't really know if she knew I was a pastor or not because we never had that conversation. And um and and then and and questions about salvation. I mean, oh my goodness. So that's about as far as I can go, because I just want to honor her. But I'm saying, you guys, this I walked back home and I was stunned. I, I was I was walking around in a daze back home and I'm like, I kept saying Suzanne, I was like walking up and down the hall for no reason and around the just because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, what just happened? That was that was wild. That's what I kept telling her. This is just wild. Do you know what just happened? Anyway, things are shifting, and we need to, we, as followers of Jesus, we need to be ready and to say yes to the harvest that's coming in, So, because, as we'll see tonight, that's a very big part of what he told us to do. So um, I want to share with you also a dream I had. I've shared this before, but I want to share a little bit more detail this time. Oh, there we go. That was for a dramatic effect. Did it work? Also, it puts you all into a dream state. This was a night dream that I had. Um, and it was very vivid. And in this dream, this was, this was last year, half a year ago-ish. And I was in a home uh, with, with, I know there were other believers in that home. Um, I looked out a window and I saw way in the distance this lightning, a lightning storm just like that with a bunch of, you know, fingers coming down and hitting the ground. And I remember being awed by this, like, oh, this is, this is powerful. This is, whoa, what is going on? The next thing I do is I ran, I, I started running towards it. I left the house because I wanted to find out where the storm was heading to warn, especially if it was coming back to our house, to warn people. So I ran out probably about a mile or so down a road in my dream. And um, just want to make sure you knew that, okay? And then I, I come up to this, kind of like a, a T in the road, the, the, the storms. Okay, the storms, I'm trying to use that image here. The storm's coming behind. I'm running up from the house this way towards the storm. And, and I come up to this T and there's, and there's this. This is coming towards me. A huge. Locomotive. See, I'm telling you, Mister Rogers has nothing on me. <laughs> and so, this is exactly what's happening. A huge train was coming, and in my dream, it, and by the way, it wasn't on any tracks. It was in the middle of the road. It was, pow- it was huge, and it was powerful. And, and somehow in my dream, I knew that it was the train was staying ahead of the storm, somehow as like a, a warning or letting people know where the storm was going. I'm like, that's wild. I don't know how the train knows that, knows which way, but it was always ahead of the storm. And one last little odd thing is that it was pushing this little shack in front of it. So you've got huge locomotive pushing a little shack just and this thing was powerful. It had no issues pushing a shack. Um, and, uh, and so then I wanted to see which way it was going to go because I needed to get ahead of it. And so once I saw that it was going, uh, i trying to keep my bearing straight with where this is. Once I saw it was going this way, I came from this direction, saw it going this way. I, I took off running. I passed the train like I was zipping. And then somebody was running next to me trying to like tell me stuff and distract me. And I'm like, I got no time. I zipped ahead of that person. To get back to the house, and when I got back there, I had just enough time to tell people it's coming. When we looked out the front window, and there's the train barreling right in front of the house, uh, pushing this shack still. All the noise, just huge noise. And then I, I, I thought, okay, the storm's coming. It's coming. And I, and I, um, I. Um, started saying, okay, what do we do? Where, where do we hide? And I realized, like, like for the first time in my dream, I realized there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> where do you go? And, and and then I looked back across where I originally, through the window, where I originally saw the storm, and there I saw what I knew in my dream to be a religious building. And when I say religious, I mean, I mean a, a place, people that were gathered there, but there wasn't freedom in the spirit. It was... Um, you know, very boxed uh, in a uh, religious. And, and I saw, suddenly I saw water deluge this building. Like, and it was like a, it was like, well, I'll t- wait till the end of it. It was, like a, it was like a cartoon where it was starting to swell up. The walls were like going like this until it just blew. They couldn't take the pressure anymore and all the water. But in my dream, I also knew there were casualties. It was serious. So that, that's not a dream you wake up and go, oh, wow, did I eat too much pizza last night? Um, that, that had incredible significance to it. And, and I've talked to many people. I've got a lot of dream interpreters in this room as well, a lot of scriptures along the way. But I, I wanted to share this with you because, because many of you know that 30 years ago, God told me very clearly, my spirit is going to sweep through this valley, this region, with or without you? Do you want to be part of it? And so many times when, let me tell you, one of the greatest things you can do in the kingdom is hang in there. It's called persevere. You keep going, you don't quit. That's a huge deal in the kingdom. And so many times we went back to that word and and we several times we pushed our chips in the middle of the table spiritually, like, Lord, we're all in. There's nowhere else to go. And, and I'm sharing that because, because, this dream, I believe, was one of the many ways God was saying to me, don't you forget what I said. This, this you know, lightning storm to me clearly represents a, a huge move of God or a huge, the, the, just the presence of God that no one can withstand, you know, meaning meaning that we all need Jesus, and I don't mean this to be a fearful thing. I know I know. even in the dream I was a little stunned. It was so powerful. But God is that powerful. It's just that he's that loving and kind and gracious and merciful too. But, but sometimes we, we have these, I don't know, we go about our lives and we forget how real God is, how powerful God is. But I believe that the train that came was also about the kindness of God coming ahead still because trains often are a move of god as well and that there was a move of god and many people and myself uh i kind of believe this too that the shack there may be other interpretations but could very well have had a lot to do with with paul young's shack book because because we are good friends with him and i've done a lot of ministry with paul um and that book is about the kindness of God in the midst of the tragedies, you know, and, and finding the real God. Like, um, we, we all have misconceptions about God that, that keep us fearful and keep us distant. But when in that book, when the main character found God and knew who he really was, you know, that was the turning point. And so I believe God is, is, is sharing with all of us, not just for us, but those who need him, who don't know him yet, His kindness, his goodness, his gentleness. That's how God would always prefer to have it. I'm not sure truly, truly what it all means. There's a lot of scriptures, again, that I've been reading and praying through that have a lot to do with this dream. But for me, that was a huge wake-up call from the Lord, saying, this is going to happen. And so when we were at our retreat, this, this dream came up when a group of us were meeting in our home a couple weeks ago, even before the elder retreat. And it kind of came back refreshed in me again, like oh yeah that 's right god is God is seriously telling us something when we were at the retreat. I told you a lot of good things that we came up with through listening listening to the Lord, but there was also some degree of of um, i, I don 't know uh, frustration might be a little strong, but but where we were kind of groping for, okay, Lord, how do we do this? How do we get ready how do we How do we disciple? This harvest is coming in. We weren't getting super clear answers. We were exploring a lot of ideas. And then, right towards the end of the weekend, we we suddenly get a word from the Lord that he reminded us something he's been telling us again and again and again, and that is, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. There's that, that urgency again. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers and rivers in the desert. We suddenly remembered, oh yeah. He's been telling us over and over and over again, this is new, this is different. So here we are trying, you know, the best we can with our brain power to come up with some ideas. But but what we realized was and this is the best place we got to by the end of the weekend is we all got on our knees and Submitted once again to Holy Spirit and said, we cannot do this without you. We do not know where to go. We don't know what to do. You know what's coming. Show us what to do. And this is, you know, uh, reflected in this verse that we all know pretty well, Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's only so much we can do he has given us brain power and muscle power. There are some things we can do. But when you're talking about the, the hugeness of God and what He has intended for this world to come to Him, that's way bigger than any of us, that's going to last far beyond any of us, right? We some, suddenly feel really small, and sometimes we just want to give up. God does not want you to give up. You have a part to play. What's that part? So many people don't know. What, what am I supposed to do? I don't know, I don't know. And yet, we often don't get back to this place of surrender and yieldedness and back on our faces and back on the floor and say, Lord, here am I, send me whatever you want. Show me, you show me. And this gets back to hearing the voice of God, doesn't it? Which we're gonna get to again in a minute. So, I wanna go back to the harvest. The harvest is ready. Ready. And Jesus told us this in John 4, and I got to give you just a little bit of backstory. Um, I'm going to tell this pretty quickly. So later, this would be my encouragement. This is, you guys all like homework? Yes. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I meant home fun. You Want home fun? Please, please, in light of everything I'm saying tonight, please read John chapter 4. Because I'm just going to give you bits and pieces of this story but read it for yourselves why would jesus say the field is ripe for harvest and read the whole story but read it and ask holy spirit first always try to read this way ask holy spirit first open my eyes to see things i can't see show me show me show me what jesus why did jesus do this what aspect of the father's love was he trying to reveal because jesus was always trying to show us the father always so so in this story, we've got the Samaritan woman. She goes to the well in the middle of the day, which is crazy. Look at how much weight is on her. And it was hot. it's hot. I've been to Jerusalem, you know, Israel three times. It's hot there. You don't go to the well in the middle of the day. But she did because she wanted to avoid everybody else who was giving her the eye and who was nasty to her. Um, because, because they were judging her. So she gets to the well. And um, and there she meets Jesus. His disciples, he was coming back on a long journey. He was tired. He sits down at the well. He says to his disciples, go get me something to eat. They take off. Here comes the woman. So they have a conversation. And, and what you have to understand, a Samaritan woman is the reason why the Samaritans were so look, looked down upon by the Jews is because... Uh, Samaritans were an actual group of people, but a lot of them intermarried with Gentiles, which was kind of a Jewish no-no back, according to the law. And for a lot of other reasons, which I won't get into, um, that's why there was a lot of, all this animosity. And of course, Samaritans feel that animosity. And what do you do when you're hated? Pretty much usually you hate back, especially if you don't know Jesus, right? And so, so there was a lot of animosity. So he's there. What does he do? He gives her, first of all, the time of day. He actually relates to her. He looks her in the eyes. He respects her. He honors her. He actually asks her for something, for water. They get in this conversation, and then he ends up saying to her, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. That was the well they were at, and again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again, and they will forever be satisfied. So he's, this is where we need to learn the art of meeting people where they are and, and finding creative ways of presenting the very thing that they're hungry for, which of course is Jesus. But we can actually be super creative, not just creative, but actually listening to people so that what we're offering is, is in the form of what they're actually needing. Jesus meets all needs, you understand that, right? <laughs> we can actually offer him in a way that will meet the needs that they have. And, and um, so they go on about water. I'll let you read that later. And then um, Jesus, uh, she, she says, well, I want this living water. And Jesus says, all right, tell you what, go home and get your husband and bring him back, which is where he has a prophetic word, or a word of knowledge, I guess, would actually be more accurate um, that she has. She's like, well, um, yeah, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, that's true. You have five husbands, and the one you're with isn't your husband. Now, right? You're like, whoa, okay. This is where you've got to know the nature of God, the nature of the Father and the nature of Jesus and the nature of Holy Spirit who never change. So would, did Jesus tell her that to shame her? In 100 years, not a chance. That would never be his motives or his, or his intentions. So... So you're like, whoa, This is kind of, that's kind of brutal, right? And, but it's because he saw the deeper need. He's now getting to the root issues of her heart. He's going somewhere with this. He didn't just throw it out there, never to shame her or embarrass her. So let me just stop here because I'll tell you the rest of the story in a minute. But when Jesus starts to bring up for any of us issues in our life that, that need attention, that are outside of his best for us, understand it's never to shame you ever he he doesn't shame he died so that you don't have shame so why would he bring it up because he wants to know hey you want to let me in on that instead of running and hiding from him in that area he's like if you just bring me in i'll bring the light in i got answers for you just let me in and a lot and we keep going back to if we're not you know when we when we're not careful we keep going back to thinking we have to clean up our act for Jesus. We have to make sure we're, we're in, in right standing to somehow, you know, uh, converse with him, approach him. And nothing can be further from the truth because you can't fix yourself. You can make choices. You can make good choices by his help, by his power. But you actually don't have the power to change you. That's Jesus. And so ask him to help you. Bring him into the very issues right when you're in the middle of them. by the way. That's the best time. The very time when the enemy, where does shame come from? When the enemy would want to shame you and, and tell you just don't even, you know, look at Jesus because I can't. Jesus says, I'm right here. I live inside of you. I haven't gone anywhere. We're actually here together. So let's, let's just talk about it. Because what he really wants to do is get to the root issues like Susan was talking about earlier. What, where's the pain? I'm telling you that this is the reason why all of us make poor choices. There's pain. There's, there's heartache. There's... Um, you know, someone there's trauma. Someone treated us very poorly. There's a lot of different reasons why we do things that aren't that aren't the best for Jesus. Uh, what Jesus best for us? But anyway, so I'm just telling you. I'm just giving you. That was just a quick aside to say invite him into these places. So, so here he is. He's, and she says you got yeah. You've had five husbands. The one you're with isn't your husband. Um. Clearly, can I just tell you, he's, he's getting to the woundedness in her heart. Anybody who would be with five different husbands and now with someone else, and, and, and we don't really know if she was with others in addition to that uh, at different times. That's all we know. But there's a lot of woundedness in there. There's, there's some deep wounds. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say likely father wounds. And I think we can, you can deduce that from the rest of the story. Uh, we can only surmise what that might have been, what kind of abuse, what, what that might have been, or was it just absence, or who knows? So they go on, and she goes, oh, okay, I can see you're a prophet. All right, Mr. Prophet, man, tell me, tell me, uh, our people disagree. Samaritans and, and Jews disagree on where we should worship. We say on this mountain, you guys say in Jerusalem, who's right or wrong? So now she's asking a religious question to kind of keep him safe out here. And he's like, oh, yeah, you kind of don't get what this is all about. It's not about doing it right. She's like, you know, I want to make sure I get this right. He's like, no, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. And so he says to her, believe me, dear woman. And there is compassion in his eyes when he's telling her this. The time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. He is foreshadowing what, what's about to come, the, the new covenant of grace. God right in here. But her question was, do we worship God here or here? And Jesus' answer is, you have a Father. She didn't ask about the Father. She asked about God, somewhere out there, am I doing it right? And Jesus said, you have a father who loves you. Now he's addressing those wounds. He's starting to get to the wounds that she has. From here on, worshiping the father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs, he's saying he longs for you. He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of spirit and in truth. And this is for her, and it's for each one of us. God God loves us, loves us, loves us, loves us. He's wildly in love with us. And what he wants, he just wants us to want him back. That's what he wants. That's what love wants, right? But we need to do that. In this spirit, remember I told you, I I said earlier, everything about the Father's kingdom is is a spirit kingdom. And your spirit, you have a spirit in you, and your spirit and his spirit are one. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's all in there, and many other places. But our spirits are one. And so that's why he says it's got to be in the spirit, because you can't think your way into a close connection with God. Can I just tell you that? You can't. What am I doing wrong? Why can I go, why can I get close to God, you know, and, and so you mull it over for another however many times. Did it get you any closer? No it did not. Cuz all cuz all the all the, the way the kingdom works, it is by belief, faith, which is really an act of your spirit. It's also an act of your will, but I'm saying your spirit engages and you simply believe it's true. My father loves me. My daddy loves me. He's always wanted me. I do hear the shepherd's voice. I do belong to him. I'm one with him. That's called belief right there. And the more you actually believe what is true, the more you walk into the fullness of what's already yours. So this is what he tells her. And now um, she is, is, is pretty excited. Um, she's, she's running off to tell, to tell the town. This is the woman that she didn't want to talk to anybody in town. And now She's going to blab to everybody about Jesus, like, because she can't help it. O-M-G, literally, right? She's like, did you know I met somebody? I think this is the anointed one. Because she's like, well, I'm looking for the anointed one. And Jesus said, guess what? I'm it. I'm the guy. I'm the one you've been waiting for. She goes down. The disciples come back with the food. You know, their McDonald's, Happy Meals and stuff. Here you go, Jesus. Took us a half day to get it for you. Hope you like it. He's like, oh, thanks, man. But I just, I just ate some food you don't even know about. They're like, who beat us to it? You told us to get the food. He's like, no, no, no. This is my father's food. My father wants all of his kids. And I just had a big meal. I just enjoyed. Have you experienced that? I've, I've had the privilege of, of you know, leading, leading many people to Jesus. And one of my favorites is like a, there was a little boy on my... Um, sons baseball team that i was a coach of and and i just there was a time just some one day it was just right and i got to talk to him about jesus he wanted do you want jesus yes so i'm leading in with jesus telling him about jesus and i love it because he had a really hard time hitting the ball and um and so of course i'm coaching him and stuff but but then like just days it wasn't my coaching i promise um but just (laughs) but just days after after he receives jesus he's up there he gets a hit. I happen to be the first base coach. He runs, you know, to first base. He goes He goes, "Look what Jesus did. I just got a hit." I'm like, "Come on." Now, this is this is our father's food and we get to enjoy the feast with him. He he's such a good father. He lets us enjoy it with him. It's that good. And this is where his disciples are here. Now the town comes back and this is where Jesus says, As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is the harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for a spiritual harvest. This is in the Passion Translation. This is where Jesus says the fields are white for harvest. Why would he say that? That is an actual field, wheat field near Nazareth. It, it just when it's ripe, it just you know the sun blazes on it. It just looks white, and and what he's saying is and and because because with with the wheat, it's about four months when you plant it to when you're harvesting. There's a reason why he said four months, and 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 what he's saying to us is look at. He goes on later to say, look at there's people other people who have already sown seeds. You might be coming in and you're just the one that's gonna harvest it. You didn't even do anything. You just don't know. But here's the thing. God's spirit is moving. People are having dreams. People are, they're so ready for him. You just don't, my next door neighbor, I did nothing. I did nothing for that. Other than, hi, how you doing? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the times we are in. And um, so, I i want to, um, Jesus he called his followers. He said, come follow me. That's what he says to each one of us. This is really about following Jesus, right? Above all things, it's following Jesus. But at the end of his life, um, and I'm going to show you a movie, a less than a minute clip of a movie, um, of the Matthew video, which, which was a long time ago. One of my favorites, though, of all the different Jesus movies that are out there. And it's the last couple of verses of Matthew 28, which is the last thing that he said. And I just want to call your attention to um, that he told us, all of us, that we're all disciples. We'd all disciple other people, not just a few. Okay? So just, just listen to this.
1: Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority
2: in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations
0: Jesus. <laughs> um, and, and so he takes his disciples in three years time. He takes them full circle from come follow me. Just drop what you got. Let's go. There's something more important. My father's kingdom is here. My father's world is here. And and then within three years later he's telling them to go make disciples. And I think in, and I'm, I'm going to speak for myself as well. I, I think we all forget sometimes really what what the mandate is, what Jesus asked us to do. And, and sometimes we, it's just really easy to get um, caught up in life and I don't have time or I I'm not equipped enough or whatever. Um, three, three years with these people. Uh, and, and you might say, well, they got to hang out with him all the time. Well, not all of the disciples did. The 12 did, but he also had hundreds. And, you know, he had different circles. And, but all of them were watching him, weren't they? They were were watching Jesus and they watched how he treated different people, including the woman at the well. Um, And so so Jesus tells us to to, uh, come follow me. And remember that Jesus mainly said what he was there for was to show us the Father. Everything he was doing, he was trying to demonstrate the Father because the world had a very wrong impression of, of God. And so that's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. There's no difference. Um and uh, in John 4:23 um later on in John 4 he, Jesus says loving me empowers you to obey my word and my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place that's crazy amazing but that's that is the um that's the, the disciple life. That is the life. It's, it's a yieldedness to Jesus, not because we have to, not to be right with God, not because if we don't, we're in deep doo-doo. That's, that's not true. It's because we're so in love with him that, that we know, and we know his heart is good and always for us. And so we just keep opening ourselves up and yielding to him. And we all have bumps along the way, all of us. We all make poor choices at times whether, in all kinds of different ways. And he doesn't stop loving us, and he keeps telling us who we are, and he's totally committed to us, but I also want to tell you, you're more ready to disciple people around you than you think you are. Most of you in this room, I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you have been here for a long time. You're a lot more ready than you think you are. You don't need to hand them off to a pastor. You are a full-time minister of the gospel according to the Bible. Did you want... A certificate. I'm, it's, it's actually in here. It's in, it's in your Bible. You could just put a frame around it because you are. Um, nobody gets out of that because he, Jesus is our life and sharing him with others is what it's all about. And getting out there, by the way, uh, what, what causes us to do that? Well, Paul says in the end, 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's Christ's love that compels me. I can't do anything else. Why? Because of his love. How wide, how deep, how high of this Jesus who loves me. That's what compels us to go. It can't be guilt. Guilt is a terrible motivator. Motivates you for this long, and then what? You know, now I'm a failure because I didn't do it, so Jesus doesn't love me.
1: Lies.
0: Lies, lies, lies. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. Here's that verse in the Passion Translation, the whole thing. For it's Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. I want to... Tonight, I want to end... um, Again, please turn in those cards if you have them. I I really do want to hear from you. Um, Tonight, I want us to take the last few minutes we have and I want us to worship together to a new song that um, Bethel just put out. Um, Some of you may have already heard it. Um, What's it called? God of Revival. God of Revival. And... um, and so we're going gonna, we're gonna, to, I'm going to ask, you know, in, that we stand for this. But I want to, if you want, you can come up, you can dance, you can do whatever you want. You can just, or if you need to kneel down somewhere or lay down somewhere. But this is what I'm going to ask you to do is, and I'm going to pray this before we do this, is, is to engage our spirits with God's spirit. So we, we if you, um, you know, we're in this amazing time. If you're like, use this time with the Lord, how you need it. If, you need, if this is a repentance time, Lord, man, my heart has wandered from you. Jesus, I, I say all over again, I'm going to follow you no matter what. That's a wonderful thing to do. If you, if you want to pray for this region, for his spirit to fall, because that's a lot of what the song's about, is about God's revival, what's actually here and coming. However you want to do that, but you're going to see it's a very powerful song. And um, I believe, because Todd and I talked about how much he loves it too, you're probably going to start hearing it here in the near future. But, um, but would, you, would you stand with me? And let me just pray, and then let's... And we'll worship together. So, Father, thank you so much for your love for all of your kids all over the earth. Thank you that, um, that you... So loved the world that you sent your son. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that's not just the world, that's every person. Every single one who is actually created in your image, whether they know it yet or not. So Father, um, would you engage our hearts. And wherever, Lord, wherever uh, we have um, just kind of gone through the motions, would you wake us up again. We're just saying again, uh, Lord, that we're, we're calling our spirits alive and we're saying, um, God, that would you just directly intertwine with our spirit and, and speak truth into us. Thank you, God, for, these, for the times we're living in. Thank you, Jesus, that just like your disciples, you told us, I want you to disciple people, to disciple nations, people of all nationalities. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, just begin to move in our hearts. Move in our hearts. Bring truth. Bring the truth, God, of who you are, your heart, that you are so serious and seriously in love with all of your kids across the earth. This is something, God, that you, you're you not okay, that, that, that not all the, your kids know you yet and are coming into your kingdom. So, Lord, we agree with you that it is harvest time. It's revival time. We agree with you, Lauren. Oh, I'll do it.
1: you can't move Things are possible There's no broken body You can't raise No soul that you can't save Things are possible Things are possible Yes, Lord.
0: Yes, Father. Let's just take a little bit of time right now to pray and agree begin to lift your voices father we we just just lift your voices father we agree father we agree we agree with your heart lord we agree we just say god let your revival come bring life to us again bring life to us again father wherever we have felt asleep or just going through the motions god wake us up again to your heart to the truth of who you are and what you do and what you are bringing father we ask god we ask for this region, this whole Bay Area region, Father, we ask that you would soften hearts and that you would allow people to see who you really are. Lord Jesus, come to them in their dreams. Come into the dreams. Father, there's, there's huge communities of every nation that are here, that are assembled here. Father, you've brought the nations to us. And we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, take every judgment out of our hearts against any other people, any other persons. Take the judgments out of our hearts, God, that all we would see is what you see. All we would feel is love for people, love for people, your love, and see what you see when we look at them. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes,
2: Lord. Lord. God, we just look at your face right now. Because if you, you said if we seek your face, Lord, we humble ourselves before you, Lord. And repent, Father God, if we repent, you will heal our land, Father God. You, almighty God, God above all gods, we exalt you. We exalt you. We look at your face, we look at your heart, we look at your eyes, and all there is is love. All oh, there is is just such incredible love for our country, for our nations, God. And we call that love forward. Heal the land, Father God. Heal our cities. Heal our families, God. Heal our nations, Lord Jesus as only you can do, as only you can do. There is nobody, nobody, nobody higher or mightier than you, Lord. Nobody. Psalms 107. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. And here's why. He's better than anyone could ever imagine. (laughs) Yes, he's always loving and kind, and his faithful love never ends. His faithful love never ends. So go ahead, go ahead, let everybody know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of the darkness. And has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Some of us once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place. We were starving, we were thirsting, we were staggering, and we became desperate and filled with despair. And then we cried out, "Lord, Lord, help us, rescue us!" And he did. He led us right into a place of safety and abundance, a suitable um, city to dwell in. So lift your hands and thank God for his marvelous kindness, for all his miracles of mercies for those he loves. How he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. Jesus, we say hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. You're reminding us, God, that we were once there. We were once the people, God, that were starving, that were staggering, that was in darkness. We didn't even know what to do. We didn't even understand, love, God. And we, we, God, we just got told about you, God, and we said yes to you. And that first love, I'll never forget. I'll never forget how I felt. And so, Father God, take us back to that first love. We fell so madly in love with you. And our hearts exploded with passion. And we couldn't get enough of you and we just kept saying, wait, I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell something. oh my goodness, this love, this love is exploding in me. And because of your love, your that first love with you, then I was able to go and tell people about you because I just couldn't contain it anymore. Oh boy. And so tonight God, tonight. If we had forgotten about that first love just because of the things in our lives. And if we've opened our hearts to fear. And I, and this is for me too. Sometimes I say, what? Me? Me? Talk to that person? No? It, it, it's doubt, you know, that creeps in. God, I ask now that you would exchange that fear. The perfect love, that first love, passion for you and trusting in you again that trust we believe in you we partner with you God because the spirit of the sovereign Lord has anointed us to bring the good news to bind up the brokenhearted, to free the prisoners from darkness you have partnered with us And we say, yes. We say, yes. We, God, partner with you tonight. So Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, you Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is within each of us. We say more. Come on. More. More. We partner with you, Holy Spirit. We are going to see people, God, say yes to you because of the love that we remembered when we first said yes to you.
1: One chief into men's purpose and one main reason for existence and all men's vain and high ambition. For you alone will be exalted in that day. Earthly thrones will be exposed as items that we made. For you alone will be exalted in that day. But you'll be seen as rightful King, and from our hearts we'll say. Put your glory in me, I'll go anywhere, just let me see your beauty. Our story of... have the first place, that in all things you may have preeminence, oh, we're up to your business.
0: calling us back again. Come on, kids. Come on, sons and daughters. Come on, kings and queens with me. Remember, he's the king of all kings. And he's calling us. He's calling us to share his heart. And what is that heart? This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, that person has become an entirely new creation. All that's related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And our Father has made all things new and has reconciled us to himself. And he's given us the ministry of reconciling others to him, to the Father. In other words, it was through the anointed one, Jesus, that the Father was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of Jesus, the anointed one, who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly Pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to Him. So, Father, thank you for your mercy and compassion, your grace, your tenderness that always comes after us. Not once, but a million times, a million times a million. Lord, give us that heart. To go after the ones you love, to talk with them, to love them, to share with them, to help them, to give them aid where they need it, but to make sure they know there's a Father who loves them, there's a Savior who has made all things right. So God, thank you for this time. Thanks for entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. What a blessing that you would trust us like that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I know it's uh, late, and so we're we're going to, uh, you know, obviously some people left, and you're always free to do that here. If you need to go at any time, you can always do that. Um but I do, I do want to ask if, if a few of the prayer teams would come up just because it's been several weeks since we've offered prayer. And, and uh, just in case, I don't know what's going on in hearts tonight, but just to make sure we have some people that can respond to those that need prayer. So if you can, please come up and I will stay up here as well. So I bless you all on this good journey. I'm looking forward to hearing the stories because they're coming. More and more stories are coming. And remember, remember not to listen to um, condemnation or shame, but listen to Jesus who keeps calling you back to himself. And our response is, yes, Lord. <laughs> That's it. Our response is, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, we want you. So blessings. Come on up if you need prayer.